Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a free title, and get started listening now. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com SLM. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct, a football-themed show this week, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno. At the table, I have the famous JB and Kyle Beats. What's going on, fellas? What's going on, J-Mac? Great to be back in the booth with you gentlemen here as we near week one of the NFL and week one of college football in the books. Kyle, did you uh, enjoy week one of college football, or did it already spoil your taste? <laughs> man i i get kind of tired of these you know opening games i understand there's money at play for these small schools uh but when you know player teams like alabama or lsu these teams that have players that are you know probably a third of their rosters in the nfl in the next few years why are we playing these terrible schools it's just not great football uh, did enjoy the auburn oregon game though that one was entertaining it was the ou game was pretty good too yeah herds is going to be very, very explosive in that OU offense against, you know, Big 12 defenses as opposed to SEC that he's seen in the past. Did you guys see his post-game interview? It was a outstanding, I thought, from a perspective. You know, he went on there. Certainly, they want to congratulate him. He just kept talking about tightening things up, the team getting better. And I think that's exactly what you want to see out of your you know, fifth-year senior quarterback type of deal is you don't want him to go in there tooting his own horn you know, saying how great he is, I think he understands the chance that he has playing in that conference. And pretty simple, you go 13-0, and you're going to be back in the college football playoffs. And there's not, you know, you always talk about revenge when guys flip different teams and pros. I don't think there's bigger revenge than flipping in college because these kids no. feel lied to, yeah. disrespected. These coaches came into their home, told their families how much they love and support them. And then they transfer out because they got lied to. So I, there's nothing more than college football wants than to see an Alabama OU playoff again. And I hope so as well. It's very true. I will say that, I mean, I guess you're not looking for flags being planted in the middle of fields and whatnot. I, I guess that's probably not the right look. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that remains to be seen. But, uh, I mean, do you really think it's animosity? I mean, that that situation was kind of unavoidable. Like, I mean... He didn't yeah, really think, know that Tua was going to be that good. And whenever he's that correct. good, I mean, he saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, this is, you know, the business of college football is that all these coaches are telling five, four and five star quarterbacks of these major programs that they can, this can come be their team. They can come run the ship. That's what happened at Alabama. Tua was probably better than Nick Saban expected and it just accelerated and he put the man in the place. But you know what? Jay, he treated Jalen the right way. I mean, he still brought him in and, uh, in crucial situations in the semifinal and final games. And to Jason's point, the attitude that Jalen possesses, I think that's a huge reflection on just being in the saving culture and being in that saving machine for the last four years. That's so true. That's very true. And I love, and, I love how he handled it. It was great. And you know, what's also nice is when you go from the sec to the big 12 and linebackers go from 240 to 213 pounds and you can just run them over. He's going to have a field day running. 
It's a big boy. It's a big boy. Yeah, I think he's going to transition plenty well, and Lincoln Riley's a guy, if you kind of did a little bit of reading, have the opportunity to come to Dallas, be the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, uh, turn that down to return to Oklahoma, or I think he understood his value is probably only going to go up. And then after seeing Cliff Kingsbury get hired, he's probably sitting there going, I'll just wait out Bill Belichick and take over the Patriots uh, when I'm ready. But Not a bad move. No, not, not a at bad all. move at all. And I, I think we're going to love seeing what Jalen Hurts does, you know, open the year 10 to 1 favorite for the Heisman, kind of down to the 6, 7 to 1 range. You know, you guys still see some value there. Who's your, who, who are you looking at for the Heisman, Kyle? You kind of got a look on your face. You got someone else in mind. Well, I still love that value. Actually, I'm just shocked yeah. that it was it was ten to one to start, just because of the situation that he's going to be put in in that offense. And you know, look at Baker, look at Kyler. There's there's a trend here, right? Um, you know, I, I like the kid from uh, Oregon, uh, Her- Herbert. Yep, Justin, Justin Herbert, Herbert yeah. senior there. Yep. But he did not perform well, in my opinion, uh, in the fourth quarter. You can, you know, chalk it up to play calling. But I didn't like what I saw against him against, uh, against Auburn at the end of that game. Uh, but I still like him in the, in that run. Obviously, you got to like Tua in the Heisman run. I mean, he's going to be in the mix. And then Trevor Lawrence is, I would assume, probably the odds favorite at this point. It's got to be. Yeah, him and Tua are up there. I think my concern with Trevor Lawrence, and we'll kind of get into a little bit with him, is just Clemson's probably not going to have their starters play in play much in more than a half. half. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, if he play, if you're telling me we get 12 games of him playing four quarters, I'd be with you, Kyle. It's just a little bit tough there. And I think just the, you know, general public goes, Hey, how can OU produce three straight Heisman's? You kind of get in your own head a little bit about there's no way that could happen. You're not isolating this situation at all. You're looking at it more as a whole picture. So I think that's maybe where we've seen some value creep into the market a little bit. That's very true. That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way, but I just feel like that system and that conference just puts him in the best situation to put up the most gaudy numbers. It was a smart place for him to transfer to. Yeah, I, I mean, he stepped in, and kind of the interesting part was Lincoln Riley not naming a starter till last week. You know, they do have uh, a redshirt freshman there that Lincoln Riley likes, as well as Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback out of high school, who was dismissed. Uh, so there, there's a lot of talent in that room, and you talk about two guys. Hey, don't take this personal. Your freshman young kids learn from Jalen, learn from a guy who's been in the league for a while now, or the NCAA conference, and you know, get as much as you can out of him uh, before next year, you'll have that opportunity to lead the way. So I think Oklahoma is positioned well this year and moving forward with the talent in the quarterback room. I agree with that. And I mean, that seems to be a common thing. They seem to know they have a recipe for success. And I mean, it's hard to really hate on OU in this case, because like they, they found that recipe for success that it's different than what Saban does, but still works pretty well. And I mean, it's, it's, it's easy for me to hate on OU. That's but a good point. I, I get what you I get what you're saying though. Yeah. I mean it is from a pure football standpoint. From a right. yeah, that that's all I'm saying there because I think there's a there's a clear distinction though between like I, I there's good and there's great, right? And so like there's a clear distinction between like what OU is doing. Now I think they're they're definitely building that pipeline, and that's probably the biggest thing that a coach like Saban has going for him is that there's just a continuous flow of talent. All it takes is winning a couple of nat- natties to, you know, make that uh, always a place that someone's going to want to play. And so I feel like OU is establishing that with maybe the Heisman type situation. Yes. And maybe that's an appeal there. And I mean, you can go wreck on Big 12 defenses all day long and put up absolutely ridiculous numbers. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of reestablishing it because they were sure. You know, yeah. They've been brands at different points in the in, in their you know even in our lifetime, but certainly in their history. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing with OU is they've just figured out this conference so well, the same way Alabama's figured out the recipe to win in the SEC. Very different recipes. Uh, I probably think the Big Twelve is the third best conference. I don't think it's that weak, but you know, the, the defenses are built a certain way and it's not with a bunch of NFL players. So Correct. the recipe for winning that the OU has done is they're getting NFL sized offensive lines. Yeah. Their, their height and weight average offensive lineman last year was bigger than the Cowboys. They're just getting NFL offensive lines with a quarterback that knows the system. and can move around a little bit mm -hmm. and good athletes and whatever happens on defense happens on defense. You're going to get four star guys to come to OU no matter what. Back a few years ago before uh, Bortles got to uh, the Jags, yeah. and they were oh. just absolutely terrible. Remember that whole big argument about whether Alabama could beat the Jaguars, like an That's actual NFL team? Absolutely insane. But I think we're kind of at that point now where it's like probably. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's Not the gap between Duke last year and the Phoenix Suns is so much smaller. Yeah, I guess than that's the fair. gap between you call it the Dolphins this year and Clemson. Yeah, because no, I'm with you. I'm not right. saying it would happen. I'm, all I'm saying is that we've closed that gap more. And I, w I just wonder how much more of a fair argument that is now versus what it was five years ago. That was my point. It, it's not yeah. even close. It would be about a 30 to 40 point spread the other way. It, it you're would, missing the I, point, though. I get what you're saying, though, Justin. It's, it's you're missing the point. Yeah. slowly getting there. Like, it'll right. never quite get no, there. No, never. It's slowly getting there. Right. At, like, a 10-degree angle. But it's, I, know it's, what you're, I know what you're saying. It's more I mean, of a methodology thing than anything else. Kids are... You know, 280-pound players coming out at 18 years old now more consistently than they had been in the past. But, yeah, I think that uh, we're still a long way away from that gap being closed anytime soon. Uh, one last guy I want to throw out there as a uh, dark horse for my uh, Heisman candidate is I like going non-quarterback. I like uh, Swift, DeAndre Swift, the uh, kid from Georgia. I think he's, you know, obviously just as a freshman came in, was behind Chubb and uh, Sony Michelle and getting some touches now, man. His career average is like I'm looking at it here. It's like eight yards a carry. Wow. Yeah, great kid out of you know he's been there, kind of the same deal with Oklahoma. They always got a stable of backs. Yep. To, to run the ball, and he's certainly going to be the headliner. And you know we're going to talk about Georgia at nauseum throughout the college football season, certainly as we get closer into SEC play as well. So, well, to give you guys a little bit of headline, we're going to do a couple previews for college football this week. Obviously, discuss the Zeke contract and what's been going on in the NFL uh, and give you some previews for week one of the games, kind of the bigger game breakdowns. And, you know, getting excited uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, we will be doing a live stream. J Mac Kyle's going to be hosting. We have a number of guests on there as well. So please hop on and just more scheduling than anything. Uh, we'll make sure we're getting this out Wednesday night or Thursday mornings, weekly moving forward. We want to make sure you guys have time to listen. Uh, before the weekend crashes into us so you can get you know everything placed online and get lineups set so yep. you know Kyle you mentioned a name we certainly wanted to get into one of the bigger games this weekend as uh, the Aggies head to Clemson for part two of this scheduled series you know last year certainly a game down to the wire certainly something no one expected Trevor Lawrence kind of crashing onto the scene uh, Kyle, we got we got Monk who looked great last week I know it was versus Texas State but I would say certainly Jimbo, uh, kind of took the training wheels off, could you say, with, with Monk. It, this is a kid who, throughout his career at AM struggled a little bit uh, in the passing game, but what we saw last week was fantastic. So, again, Jimbo, 
going against ninth ninth uh, head coaching matchup versus Clemson here in his in his tenure. Never lost by more than ten points. What is your thoughts here, looking at Clemson, who's favored by seventeen and a half? Lot to digest there. First of all, don't disrespect my Bobcats like that. Uh, they played their asses off. They had no business <laughs> playing against an SEC pass rush. Best, no best stat. A&M had five interceptions last year, all year. They had four in that game. That away, boys. But uh, what I like, about. you know, I, I think that's a big number on the spread. I think A&M can cover that pretty easily just because of what you alluded to there with the, the Jimbo history. I think they are outclassed at basically every position. You know, Kellen Mond did look good, and I think he's going to step up and have a better season. Uh, I believe he's a junior this year. Yeah, junior. So I, I think it's it's time for him to make that step, but he's no match for Trevor Lawrence. Um, ETN, the running back, is still not – you know, I, I think he's an upgrade from the A&M back. But I love these home-and-homes just as a college football fan. I love that LSU in Texas is doing one that begins this year as well. Um, I think it's good for the sport in the early season to not have – like, go get your FCS win, I guess, and, and you know, have an easy game and make some money. But I love that Texas A&M has the balls to go step into Death Valley at night when they already got to go to LSU. They got to go yeah. to Georgia. They got to play Bama. I respect the hell out of that, even though it's going to lead to a, a seven and five season. Um, I don't know about that. We'll see. We, we talked about that and a lot. Of, and also a lot of the games that you had kind of given. We, we talked about that off the air. So we'll talk about that another time. I think in this game, 17 points is a gift. Like there's, dude, I was, I figured it would be at the very maximum by two touchdowns. Just, I I really didn't, I know that Clemson is a much better team in just about every position to your point, Kyle, no doubt about it, but Jimbo will play them hard. And the one thing I'll say is I've watched A&M football for a very long time now. And this is the first time I can honestly say that these dudes play their asses off for the whole game that was the biggest problem with the kevin sumlin era is that they would let off the gas and then just get fucking destroyed in the second half for games and seasons Uh, yes like six and one and they'd finish eight and four right and it was infuriating right and granted look at the teams right but that doesn't matter that's not the point right and so they're playing them hard and even when they played alabama last year a&m whenever they played alabama last year they hung tight with them they didn't get slaughtered 55 to nothing which has happened before no, but it was 21-6 and on the way to getting out of control. No, and it definitely was, but I would expect that. They were playing for a national championship. A&M is not that team. All I'm yeah. saying is I was shocked by 17 points here. Agreed. Yeah, I'd say with the line, you know, it did open up around 20 points, which uh, the game of the year lines beforehand had it right at that same 20 and a half, 21, depending where you looked, uh, you know, throughout the summer. So I think some money certainly flowed in here on the Aggies and uh, – that's my first thought too. I looked at it and said, wow, this seems almost like a gift. You're telling me they got to win by more than three scores. And usually when that's the case, it goes the opposite way. Someone knows right. something right. that we don't. And, you know, when I break down this game, looking at, you know, the concerns I have are just right up the middle. You know, yeah. they do have a, a right guard. That's a true freshman for AM. kind of have a first year center in there. I'm worried if Clemson, these big, tall, you know, NFL type D lineman can get in the middle and create penetration. You know, anyone who's played football knows the most disruptive part of uh, football is when you get penetration in that A gap right up the middle. So my concern is Clemson and Dabo recognizing that and knowing it. Uh, Clemson looked, you know, folks were a little disappointed with their performance, but they're not going to show anything on tape. They knew they were going to win that game versus Georgia Tech. Right. With you know, you could have put in. You didn't have to have a quarterback. They could have ran Wildcat all game and ran and won. So. 
my only way that I'm looking for AM is if you believe in Kellen Mond. Um, he hasn't shown me in the big games yet in his career that he can do it. This is something that I'd more want to enjoy as a fan and keep an eye on it. Because if Kellen Mond shows up, this is going to be a one-possession game. If he folds like a house of cards, he's throwing picks left and right. Because, you know, him throwing sideline to sideline to the corners has kind of been his downfall and yep. kind of some dreadful picks. So I'm with J-Mac. The team looks very motivated. Jimbo's gotten it moving in the right direction. Uh, I just, unfortunately, I think it rests solely on Kellen Mond's shoulders on getting this cover or possibly even competing for a win. And the other thing is uh, takeaways. I mean, they've got to get takeaways. To Kyle's point, they had four, uh, five all last year. So, I mean, that's unacceptable overall. You've got to start trying to figure out how to get the ball away and get, yep. you know, and just grind on the clock. That's AM's biggest key here. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the key to their success, you know, obviously, if they want to win the game, they're going to have to have a pick six, a yep. big punt return, something like that. Some lucky stuff. Yep, absolutely. Right, safety, something like that. But to even stay in the game, you kind of just nailed it, Justin. They do have to run the ball and control the clock because keeping Trevor Lawrence off the field is absolutely the safest thing to do. It's like keeping Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes off exactly. the field in the NFL. Exactly, because he's damn good. All right, what, what game do we want to go to next? Well, you know, from one Texas team to another, we got the LSU Tigers and – uh, Longhorns down in Austin. As Kyle mentioned earlier, we do have the first of two between these. And while most of the matchups have gone on off the field in recruiting battles, we got these two teams that are separated by a mere 450 miles down I-10 East. And LSU is uh, facing Texas for the first time since 2003 on New, York, New Year's Day. Uh, Tom Herman reportedly had spurred LSU back for the coaching opening before Coach O took over officially for Texas. So I think there's a little underwriting here with, you know, Herman probably knowing the ins and out of LSU and what they were looking to accomplish. And then obviously coach O. So I'll first toss it to Kyle. You're nodding. We got another SCC team here. What's your early thoughts with the LSU Tigers taking the field versus UT in Austin? Man, I'm excited for this game. You got to keep in mind, I'm about 15 miles from the stadium. Yeah. Uh, which on on Saturday will be about a five hour drive because it's gonna be landlocked. This is a there's a lot of buzz in this city. I can tell you that just in my office, just walking around, you hear people talking about it. You see uh, all the all the Texas gear coming out, which I'm sure like four percent of those people actually went to the university. But I, I think Texas has a better shot than some of the experts are giving them, but less of a shot than their fans think. If that makes sense, because all these Texas fans think they're going to win this game. Yeah. I do not. I think LSU is going to win this game. I think it comes down to similar to what we just spoke about, even though I'm now referring to the SEC team being the dominant one here. (laughs) The other way around. Trenches. Yeah, man. They're going to dominate the offensive and defensive line. Uh, You know, Sam Ellinger is going to need to do a lot here. It's going to be kind of all on him, kind of like it's all on Kellen Mond for the other Texas team. I don't trust him to make throws uh, in tight windows against those LSU DBs, especially when that front seven's collapsing down on him. Sure, he looks good when he's sitting in a pocket against Louisiana Tech or, you know, can run over their defensive line, but it's going to be a much different animal. Uh, if this was I'm do, if this was at LSU at night, I'd take him by over a touchdown. Yeah. Um, the I would, line, I think, is four and a half or five. It's moved a little bit. Dude, it well, opened at two and a half and moved to six and a half. So, yeah. I like and, LSU still. Yeah. yeah a, a little bit more on the line. You know, again, we mentioned the game of the year numbers beforehand in the offseason. You could have got this at a pick them around there, depending where yeah. you're wow. at. Uh, That's as J Mac mentioned, open about two and a half, three pushed out 
uh, right at six and a half right now for most books. So th- this has been getting steamed for the LSU Tigers. And, um, you know, I, I take a look at this. The, as I mentioned earlier with Tom Herman and Coach O, just that intricate. Also, Joe Brady and Tom Herman, the OC, they kind of have a little bit – or I'm sorry, Dave, Dave Aranda, the DC for LSU, they were uh, roommates back in the day at Cal Lutheran. So very – very well known with each other. And then on the Joe Brady side, this is a new OC for LSU. Uh, when they pan to him during the game, you're probably going to wonder if he's a grad assistant. He was born in 1989, so probably not much older wow. than a lot of our listeners. This is a guy that played wide receiver at Williams & Mary, was an offense assistant for Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints, and is kind of revered as that one of those next top-of-line thinkers and if you watched LSU's game last week, they finally went with tempo. They went with pace, yeah. letting Joe Burrow throw it out. And for any college football fans, that's going to shock you when you watch Saturday because you're used to LSU handing it off to their burners, running the I formation. And that's not what this team's about anymore. So I'm extremely excited to watch this Joe Brady new led offense with Joe Burrow at the helmet quarterback and see what they can do versus Texas. Because to your point, Kyle, it's going to come down to that offense-defense line and you know how these SEC and uh, big boys bang out. And Texas got plenty of those five-star big boys, so can, can they hang around? Yeah, I mean, they have the recruits, but it's never the recruits that are the issue with Texas. It's generally been the coaching. I think Tom Herman is certainly taking them in the right direction. I just think they're a year or two behind progress-wise of where LSU is right now. That's where I, my head's at with this. I, I I agree with you. I think LSU by a land, I wouldn't say a landslide, but by a touchdown, I would, I would think. And I just trust it so much in the clutch. Like, I just don't think that I, I've trust coach O and LSU Tigers so much more in a tied fourth quarter game, even on the road and yeah. LSU travels well. And trust me, I was at the Miami LSU game at AT&T stadium uh, opened up last year. Yeah. Those fans are wild, man. Yeah. LSU fans are some of the best in the country. So they're going to travel well, uh, so I don't know if that'll be as much of a factor as I just kind of originally was thinking it, it was going to be. Uh, I just see, you know, you know, it's 24-24, four minutes left, and Texas has four arm tackles and lets Travis e- – or not uh, ETN, uh, lets uh, – uh, what is – is it Proset, the uh, LSU running back? Let, just let him go for like 75 yards. I just mm-hmm. see a lot of, you know, Run mental or coaching issues. Yeah exposing themselves later in the game right yeah so those things are just kind of a a, they're not thinking about the bigger picture of it they're focused on too many small things and so they're just going to run downhill on them that's a great example of that yeah i like it i I think that's perfect i i i I think that's a great representation i i really thought that you would be more on the texas side here just you know but i mean i think realistically that's where they're at and they are at different places in their their programs progress and i think speaking about running backs you know my concern with with Texas is, you know, the news came out about Jordan Winnington having to have surgery right now on UT's depth chart. They only have one running back. Their, their backup running back is their backup quarterback also. Yes. Right. So, <laughs> I, I mean, and not that's good. What, no, and that's not good. Saw out of Texas last year was Sam Ellinger having to run the ball too much. I mean, I remember watching that both OU games. I mean, shoot, he was running it 15, 20 times, just taking a pounding. That's why he had shoulder injury last year when, uh, you know, uh, they had to certainly bring in, I forget his name now, he transferred out the backup quarterback, uh, Bouchelle. Yeah. Bouchelle, uh, because his shoulder was so banged up when you're having him run between the tackles, for goodness sake. So I, I think, Kyle, to your point, 
Uh, Texas, maybe a little bit of lack of depth right now. Could we see, you know, a close game in fourth quarter, you know, when Texas guys are maybe a little bit banged up, tired down? I think with LSU's depth, th- this may come out. And I- I'm certainly not rushing to lay six and a half at this point. That kind of seems like a line that's gone up the window, but maybe yeah. a game to watch and monitor if it's, you know, 10 to three. You can maybe get LSU live back down to minus three. That may be a way to look. Uh, or finding some parlay or teaser ways, but uh, it's certainly an LSU team that I don't see losing uh, to Austin. And and even the UT players have been talking smack already this week, which I just don't get why. why Such you, a bad move. But yeah. I, I don't get it. And it happens way too much in college football, and it goes more or less unreported because there's so many teams and you, know, you just can't follow all that in national media. But I, I just I don't get it. I think Coach O is going to have them ready. SEC, their out-of-conference record versus the Big 12 is just uh, unreal as well. So this this seems like a mismatch. I think there's a reason for this line movement that we've seen, as uh, J-Mac alluded to, pushing out from minus 2.5 to now nearing a full touchdown. So uh, maybe something to monitor. There may be a buyback, but I'm certainly, I'm certainly banking the LSU Tigers this weekend. Yep, right there with you. Well, from the college football season that moves into week two, we now have week one of the NFL season. In breaking news as of this morning, Ezekiel Elliott signing his extension. Uh, We were talking a little bit before air. You know, Kyle had some concerns, which I think we all do. Looking at the contract that would pay Zeke into his 30s. Um, Kyle, I know we went through it. The the guaranteed money stops at 29, so it's certainly not going to – I don't think we'll ever see him get there, but – as an avid Cowboy fan, are you happy, ecstatic, or jubilant? Those are your only options with this Zeke contract. I'm happy. This dude's going to be a freaking wheelchair when this contract's over. I saw the number this morning. Or I saw the six years. Not just. I guess it's a slipped my mind that he still had two years remaining, so it's an eight-year deal, essentially. Like you mm-hmm. said, most of the guaranteed money in those first five years, so I like the way that that's structured. Um, you know, we both said it, that this – deal was going to get done. And I felt confident about that this whole time. <laughs> I, I didn't really think it was going to last this long. So hopefully he can be ready to go, you know, week two. Um, but I, at the end of the day, you had to get it done. The number six for 90 is actually a little bit lower than I was expecting. Uh, the, was it 50 mil? Is that the guaranteed number? Yep. So it's getting yeah. 50 mil guaranteed. You kind of look at it. It's essentially a four year, $60 million deal when you look at the guaranteed money. It's outside of that. It's just irrelevant to me because it, none of after it's guaranteed, these guys rarely see past that. Correct. Because the, the stipulations they put on them to acquire that money is really tough. It, really tough. And if they're still good enough and playing at a high enough level, they'll <laughs> usually get another contract. So that voids out whatever we're mm-hmm. seeing there. Or, or they're just cut in. You know, if, if they're cut material, they're probably getting cut before that guaranteed money runs out anyway, just like we kind of saw uh, Des and a few others over the past couple years. Yep. My thing about this is, and I we've talked about this already. I I think it's insane that they did this. This is fifteen million. You do, think that's insane? I think twenty was insane. I think the whole thing is insane. I the guy's got two years left on his deal. Where I come from, you finish a deal before you you demand another one. First and foremost, and I don't give a shit about like that's the deal you sign. Like that's Correct. what you sign. You put your name on that contract. You sign it. You fulfill it. You outperform the fuck out of it, and then you get paid. That's how this works, number one. Number two, I just I think that the Cowboys treated this terribly. If they were going to fucking pay the guy, pay the just guy. Do it. Just right. pay the guy. Don't sit there and toy with the rest of the team and say that 
you are showing that the team is greater than one guy and turn around and give in to all he wants anyway. That was a stupid thing for Jerry Jones to do, and it's a bad look on his team. He tried to mask that bullshit by giving out other extensions to guys that he was going to pay already anyways. Right. And like, well, these are the team players. These are guys that want to that want to take you know what I'm willing to give them and, and play for the team. It's like, dude, we, we all knew you were going to give Zeke this deal. I'm honestly, I guess what I'm trying to say, Justin, I'm with you and it kind of being crazy, but I'm okay with that number like we we discussed the numbers we were okay with and that's kind of right where we had it you know i actually i think had it at like 18 and and jason may have been even slightly north of that so you're really looking at about 12 and a half guaranteed each year in a 15 year in a 15 mil total contract i mean for a guy that could be out of the league in two years due to injury yeah, but that, dude but he will not be out of the league in two years he's but, the least likely. dude you don't know be. that you don't know Correct. that he could be but he's the least likely of any running back in the nfl the way he is the way god designed that man he is not likely to to be out of the league in but you years. could also go down the street and get you know someone coming straight out of college and be even younger and brighter like my point is what i with Dak. What I say is, or when I say this, my point is that I'm giving the Cowboys credit that they've got a damn good team. They've got a Correct. really good team. But and, and I was looking at the schedule today. I realistically think anywhere from 9 to 11 wins is very, very doable for this team. But they've sent... I so. No, I, I mean, just look at the schedule. It's soft as hell, first of all. And that's assuming they, they split uh, you know, against like the Giants and the Eagles and you know, right. some that they historically just play weird, like for whatever reason, like sometimes they play down to each other. Sometimes they play up, but like, I just feel like you sat there and paid a guy that was digging his heels in. And that was a really bad look overall for the team. And you basically sent this message to the team that we can't do this without him. So if something happens to him, I would be, I would be freaked out, especially given how backloaded their schedule is number. Like with all that being said though, look, Go ahead. J-Bag, I get where you're coming from, but this boils down to what we talked to about a couple episodes ago and the issues with the NFL and the contracts, the way they're structured. It's why we do need a new players agreement. We need more guaranteed money for these guys. I understand I get that. It. To, to your point, he could be out of the league in two years, so he's got to get his money. I get where he's coming from. This has happened in all sports where guys are holding out and asking for the money, and that's why we need the arbitration in place for the NFL, which we talked about. And also just more guaranteed money up front for these guys because they are giving their body and sacrificing it. So I think I, this I'm this with you, dude. A, this is something we can solve. But guess what? They had to, yeah. But I that's not realistic. That's not where we're at right now. Like that's I know, but uh, you know. you're you're being unrealistic to think that they're not gonna sign them. I mean No, he, I'm not, because I've watched my team not do it for years and years and years, and it's never been a problem. Correct, but the way Jerry Jones operates, for better or worse, yeah, really I mean that's that's a good really point. Yeah. Well, your best players never held out either, J Mac. So there's a difference sure. there. Tom Brady is a different breed, so it's hard to relate the two. No, it's not situation. though, because I mean, you you sign a contract, you fulfill that deal. That's how this goes. You don't just dig in whenever you just want more money. That's not how this works, or it shouldn't be how this works. I, I, and, I, and and I get that he wants to get paid because there's the risk. I get all that. It makes total sense. From a standpoint of the team and all that shit, that stuff matters. I don't give a shit what people say. That stuff matters. And what the message you send to the team matters. That's my whole point. I get it. it does, the way it, the Cowboys do business, you have got to do this deal. I get that. But it's I don't know if it's going to wind them up with a whole lot more success. And I think five years from now, you're going to be really – there's going to be a lot of regret on this deal. 
Correct. There and there are dudes in that locker room that are like, look at this fucking guy. I can't believe he would do something like this. Like, what's yeah. his problem? That definitely is going on with professional athletes. Yeah. But um, to Jason's point, it's definitely a problem that has to be fixed. Because it's a I, that's a I mess. I agree. There's no other there's no other industry in the world where so much revenue comes in and such a little amount of it goes to the, yeah. the quote unquote employees, right? Um it's you know, crazy. so I, I do think they have to do something in the next CBA negotiation uh, in terms of the Cowboys and what this means, because they're going to pay Dak, whether it's 30, 35, 40, whatever it is, is yeah. a number I'm not comfortable with. Probably you're basically saying we got to win the Super Bowl in the next two or three years. Definitely. That's what you're doing, because but, I mean, that's putting your chips in, right? You're going to be screwed with. I mean, you got you're still going to have uh, I mean, you might have to sign Byron Jones, but you're also going to have. Uh, some of the offensive linemen will still be on contract. You're going to have Jalen. You're going to have Tank. You're going to have Zeke. You're going to have Dak. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to pick Amari. Like, that's going to be an ugly salary yeah. situation in a few years. So, Jason, help me out with this. Is there an There's an opt-out somewhere in here for Zeke, right? No, there's no opt-out. He's got his guaranteed money. and um, I, I thought there's like a potential out in 2023 or something like that. Yeah, that's when the guaranteed money runs out. Oh, so, I got it. Okay, gotcha. That's when, yeah, so yeah, kind of yeah. on both ends there. and. You know, I'll say this. Um, I'm not necessarily buying the fact that they just got this deal done for, for two reasons. I'm going to start with the first one. Jerry Jones, is, if anyone was watching today, was in New York. He had an acquisition with Com- CompStom, or I forget what even the company name is. He was doing the, ringing in the bell. Um, so Comstock Resources, they bought a Dallas-based Cove Park Energy LLC, $2.2 billion deal that Jerry did. He rang in with Steven and the family. Um, so I, I'm not buying the fact that 24 hours ago is reported they're far apart than to yet, or they got it done last night or this morning. This is a deal that I'm taking a guess has maybe been done for a while. And all this did, and just we talk about it all the time, great marketers. Guess what just happened? We spent a whole offseason talking about the Dallas Cowboys. The whole month of August, Jay. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Talking about Dallas Cowboys in Z. So th- that, that's, that's... That's always the strategy. Yeah, and what what's the point of Zeke being there, you know, if we don't need him to be? If he's down in Cabo, got the deal done, we're talking... I'm just saying, it looks a little fishy to me that it suddenly got done and, you know, Jerry got his perfect marketing deal right up to week one. So... Um, no, that's a very good point. I, I would really also, I do have a a, a a little bit lighter question for you guys in the in terms of all of this. What? How many times did he go back and forth between Cabo? Number one is the first part of this question, and secondly, why is he flying coach every time that you see pictures of him? Like, is he like sitting in the middle getting like forty no groups? Money, man. Yeah, I guess not, right? <laughs> but that that just leads to my point of again. I think this thing has been planned. They, they, yeah, like, no, for days sure. ago they reported, oh, he's booked a flight back right, home. Right. Oh, okay, so th- this thing's been done for a couple days, but then it wasn't close. Oh, he's just coming back home to work out. This thing's been done for a couple weeks. That deal no probably doubt. got done last week. Probably. Now that it you got, t- it got done when out. they reported Marshall Fox down there working with them. Right, so right. Yeah. that's when this whole thing got done. He was going to get paid one way or the other. Yeah. And it was fine to stretch it out because it kept Dallas in the news. So I, I think it all worked out how it was supposed to. But like that's the problem is that it keeps Dallas in the news, yes, but for the wrong reasons. If they went into camp and worked their asses off, they're going to be a headliner no matter what. They're the Dallas Cowboys. And if they yeah, go look really good in camp and they don't have all these distractions and Zeke is there. You sound like a real Patriots fan where 
you know, skies are blue and things go smoothly. It's the fucking Cowboys, dude. Like, That's it's true. a shit show That's every fair. year. Uh, but it doesn't have Jerry to be as my it, point. Yeah, no. I get I it. I really think he enjoys it. But the marketing aspect and all that and all the publicity and all that comes at the expense of your, like, of your overall product. And that's a problem. Well, I'll say, guys, from, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, a kid who won a national championship and uh, certainly someone who knows about him. Before we dive into this week's previews, I did want to get quick thoughts from both of you on a national championship preview from college football for this year. I know we've all been talking on and off air about, you know, the four teams in the college football playoffs. Uh, Kyle, I know you've said you got a couple sleepers. I know one of J-Max coming out of the Big Ten that may surprise folks. Uh, Kyle, who's your four teams to sneak into the college football playoffs? All right, so I'm going to preface this by I'm doing this out of spite because I'm tired of Nick Saban. Um, and they are thin at linebackers, so I'm going to say Alabama's not going to make it. And Georgia was another team I really thought I was going to slot in there until you break. If you look at their schedule, it's pretty gruesome. So tough, man. Clemson, I think, is a no-brainer. Like, that would just be me being way too spiteful to not put Clemson in there. They, the ACC is basically as good as the, the American Athletic Conference at this point, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So I got Clemson in there as the one seed. Um, I like Oklahoma. I, I don't think they lose a game in the Big 12. I think they go undefeated. I think they go 13-0 and and slide in there as the two. I like Michigan, and they may have a loss somewhere, but I like Michigan coming out of the the, the Big Ten. Me Ohio too. State, you know, they look great week one. We'll see what they look like get once we get into the conference play. But, you you know, you lose somebody like Urban Meyer, you know, refreshing the talent a little bit. I know they keep a lot of talent on that roster, but they lost Haskins. They lost Weber, their, uh, or Weber, their running back. They lost Paris Campbell. So I like Michigan to come out of there. They really got two tough games. Yeah. Ohio State, and I think they go at at Penn State or at Wisconsin. Eh, yeah. not that worried about it. No big deal. And here's my big sleeper, because I think they just march into the Pac-12 championship uncontested, which I think the Pac-12 is a bit of a joke. Yeah. I got the Utah Utes in there. Oh, my mm. God. Best team in the Pac-12. Interesting. Uh-uh. First of all, you need to go thirteen and zero in the Pac-12 to even sniff. Dude, being pretty doable about. though. If you look I mean, at their schedule, they go at Washington. That's the one. That's the game. I I, I certainly believe in that defense. Uh, Huntley's a fine quarterback. I just Utah's always found a way to throw up stinkers offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just a team where you can't get away with having one week off. Um, and I know you mentioned, you know, that's their only slip up. You know, they do have to face a uh, Washington state. That's always a tricky game with Mike Leach. Utah at home is good though. I I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think the, the gauntlet of their schedule turns into, you know, they, they do have about seven actually eight straight weeks. They have no bye week after September. So from, uh, October through the end of the season, they do play seven straight games. Uh, I think that's just a tall order for these kids. You know, you're an injury, a quarterback injury. It's just uh, I'm with you. Certainly a good looking team, but probably a one loss team more realistically to myself. Yeah, and, and the AP absolutely just hates the Pac-12 and just blows the SEC. So a two loss SEC team can get in over one loss Pac-12 team for sure. So. No doubt. It, they they will have to go undefeated, but if they go undefeated, you know, you just talked about that schedule. I don't think there's any way you keep them out. Yeah. yeah. Well, J-Mac, where, where, where's your four line? All right. So I've got, I think Clemson's going to be the commonality here. No doubt about it. It's a yes. lock no matter what happens here. Um, 
Alabama is going to be in there. I've got Michigan in there, and I I really like Michigan to upset. Harbaugh's been talking a lot of shit, and he hasn't really done that since he's been back. And it just feels like a bit of a different vibe, a bit of a different swag. And I think that stuff matters, especially with him, though. This has to be the year to beat Ohio State, right? It's got to be. and Everything is lined up for them to beat Ohio State this year. It looked like it last year, too, but boy, they got dogged hard in that game. And so, I, man, I just really think that this is the year of any time that they have a real chance. And, I, I mean, you're skating on luck no matter what happens. I mean, but I don't think a whole lot of people saw Clemson beating Alabama last year either. So, you know, if the stars align the right way, it can always happen. You just got to get in and then work from there. And I like Harbaugh as a motivator. I like him as a coach generally. I like him as a college coach. I hated him as an NFL coach. But um, that's a whole other thing. Who's your fourth team? I'm assuming a second SEC school. Yeah, probably so. I'm really, I don't know, man. I'm really between Georgia and I'm between OU. I got to see more. Look at the schedules. I think you'll take OU because you look at, uh, if you break down OU schedule, I mean, of course, Red River rivalry. Yeah, there's not much, right? Like, you've already looked at it. There's just not much there. I think, you know, TCU and Iowa State will be frisky, but I don't think they're going to beat them. No. Uh, But you look at Georgia's schedule, I think Notre Dame is incredibly overrated as always, but they still got to play an out-of-conference game against Notre Dame at home. They got to play at Florida. Never an easy game. Big rivalry in the swamp. Uh, They got to play at Auburn. Once again, not an easy game. And then they got A&M at home. Now they get to avoid Alabama, but Still. you know you pretty much got to go undefeated though because if you go in eleven and one, you win the East. Still, let's say you win the SEC East, you're probably going to lose to Bama or LSU right. in the SEC championship, and now you're a two-loss team with a recent loss in the AP's mind. So you don't know how that's going to play out necessarily. That's fair. All right, Jason, what are your picks? Yeah, again, we'll stick with the easy one of uh, Clemson's going in. I don't think that's going to be of any question. Um, moving from there, Oklahoma, we've talked at nauseum about that. Uh, sneaking in from the Big Ten, I do have Ohio State. I'll differ with you guys. I think they'll certainly be 11-0 and heading into the Michigan game. I don't really see a lot of slip-ups there. Uh, you know, Nebraska's a little bit overrated, even that being uh, an away game to me. I, I didn't like what I saw to them. They required a lot of help to, to sneak by last week. Um, the, the two other teams that I'm really looking to – to back the Georgia Bulldogs, I think certainly they do avoid Alabama during the regular season, which I think is huge for them. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go a little contrarian and go with LSU Tigers to sneak in as well. Love it. Um, that was my fifth team. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the way their schedule really matches up for them this year. Uh, yep. Certainly, they do have Alabama, but it's off a bye. They're gonna have a full 15 days to prepare for that. So. Uh, they'll face Auburn at home with a bye week, then Bama on the road. I, I just I really like what we've seen out of them with the changes they've made. You know, their weakness was probably going to be the secondary coming out of LSU, and they added the five-star number one corner from the recruiting class, which sure right. <laughs> that right up. So, yep. I mean, it's not that hard to, you know, your biggest poll coming to the season, hey, can they shut down Jerry Judy? Uh, well, maybe not shut him down, but they got something. That can well, here's the best corner in the country, and it's also right. easy to play corner when you can get to a quarterback in two and a half seconds. Yeah, exactly. So I like the way their schedule matches up. It's not necessarily that I think they're, they're going to be one of the four best teams, but I think the recipe is going to be there for them. Um, and just the sole fact of, 
you know, Georgia and Bama not playing each other. Bama's got that tricky game to end the year versus Auburn again, and, and they could be in that situation where they go 11-1 and one and don't make the conference championship again, uh, something like that where shock a lot of folks. But I, certainly the way it shakes out, uh, I wouldn't be shocked. So I, I, I think we're going to get two SEC teams again, but uh, I don't see a way that Clemson isn't hoisting the trophy again, and that's just more to do with Trevor Lawrence being – uh, probably as close to NFL ready as J-Mac yes. alluded to, yeah. closing that gap a little bit. This is a kid that could certainly <laughs> sling the ball at the next level. I mean, this is the by far the most polished prospect since Andrew Luck, and it's not even close. No. Uh, but real quick, going back to LSU, the reason I like them so much is this is the first time they've really had true QB play. I mean, I know Burrow was kind of coming into the system learning it last year, but this is the first time they've had like truly competent QB play. I would say really – because I, I didn't th- like uh, Mettenberg as much as, as no. most people did. Uh, this is probably the most since since my man Jamarcus. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. Uh, that was that was tough to you know see his time in the NFL, but I would agree. Um, well, from kids that will be played uh, playing on Sundays soon, no doubt. Let's talk about people who are already playing on Sundays and Thursday nights. We got a big matchup tomorrow night: the Packers and Bears division rival this is a division that all three of us were split on heading into the season so j-mac i'm gonna head straight to you uh you were all over uh certainly the vikings i believe or the bears for this division correct correct yeah so i want to hear your thoughts on this team uh certainly coming off a great season vic vangio has left uh mitchell trubisky you know third year at the helm but they're going to be missing it sounds like they're starting tight end and trey burton uh, what do you think about this offense and David Montgomery now the lead back? So just to remind everybody before I go there, we're going to be doing a live stream of this game tomorrow night. We're going to be watching it, so join us. It'll be on Facebook Live, YouTube, uh, Periscope. It'll be out there everywhere. We'll be pumping it out on social media, so make sure to follow that as well. So check it out. Come sit and watch the game on your TV and listen to kind of the live reaction and watch us all lose our minds. Should be a lot of fun, a bunch of BSing and whatnot. It's always, always a good time, so excited for that. Uh, in this game... Chicago opened at three and a half, I think, and it's down to three, so it hasn't moved much. I really think this more depends on what's going to happen with the Packers. They've had a strange look the last couple of years. Everybody's looking at Matt LaFleur to kind of come back and really help Aaron Rodgers, but, I mean, they're already starting to kind of publicly argue. And This just in, Aaron Rodgers is an asshole. Yeah, and and (laughs) I don't think that the team put him in a great spot either where... Like, the, he basically just said they're going to hire a coach. And, I mean, it's kind of felt to me like the team said, we'll hire the coach, you play football. And I get that, but, like, these are the kinds of problems that you run into is that there's a there's such thing as chemistry here. And you've got to make sure that it's the right thing. And, I mean, the Bears are notorious for this. I mean, they tried bringing in Mark Tressman to try to help Jay Cutler, and that was a goddamn disaster. But, you know, that was more of an ownership decision. And so, like, you've got to really have these guys in on it, you know, and, like, Whenever Tony was the quarterback in Dallas and they were firing Wade and they were saying, okay, who do you, you know, I'm sure he had input on the fact that Jason Garrett was going to be that coach, even though that's what everybody thought was going to happen no matter what. Agreed. But even so, Tony was on board with that. And that's a great example of that. Millions of other examples out there. I just don't know if that was a great idea at the, at the end of the day. And I think you're already, we hadn't even played game one yet. And you're seeing cracks in the foundation of that relationship where Matt LaFleur is out there saying, you know, Aaron Rodgers can make 
you know, he can check down at the line if he sees fit. He can audible into whatever he wants, which, yeah, he's Aaron Rodgers. I would hope so. I wouldn't think you would need to say that, but Aaron Rodgers is out there saying otherwise. And it's, I mean, I think you're right. I think he's an asshole to a certain extent, but I also don't think they put him in the right spot. All that to be said, that's going to be the biggest question mark when it comes to the Packers all year long, other than Aaron Rodgers' health. I mean, I think that's fair to say. I think that they've got a lot of young pieces around them. They they let go of some guys. They plug some holes. They've got some nice pieces. I just I haven't seen it from them, and I haven't seen Aaron Rodgers stay healthy in a while. And I mean, this Chicago team is going to be tough, and they're going to play them tough. Yes, I think this game will be close, no matter what. Whatever the final score is, I think it'll be within a touchdown for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jason kind of alluded to it when he made the pick of the. Packers to win the division, which I'm deeply regretting my Vikings pick the more I look at this boys, but uh I'm gonna ride it. I'm gonna ride it till till you know it's over mathematically. But Keenum. I think Rogers is gonna come out firing. I think he's gonna be pissed off about how last year ended. I don't know if it's gonna be successful, but I think he's gonna let it fly. Uh I'm gonna go Packers in this game. I'm gonna go Packers 24-23 would be my my official prediction. I think it'll be a tight game. Uh, another thing I'm really excited about is both the young backs in this game. Um, one a little younger than the other, but Aaron Jones and uh, Montgomery, I think it's David Montgomery, they're both looking to take on yep. you know, kind of big workloads. And Aaron Jones is a small guy. I mean, he's a 190-pound kid, but I'm really interested to see how they kind of work in, you know, as featured backs this year. Yeah, certainly an interesting, you know, Bears moved on from Jordan Howard, kind of a guy that, declined maybe i'm not sure how you want to look at it from one year to the next um with your point i think aaron Rodgers got kind of finally some healthy wide receivers too i mean this is a guy we saw last year playing with undrafted you know rookies and i don't know how you trust him that's why he just force-fed Devonte adams jimmy graham was banged up and now, now this is a guy that's got a fully healthy offensive line a healthy aaron jones who uh LaFleur's been raving over if you've done some reading he absolutely loves what he's seen out of Aaron Jones and when you trace it back to what he did in Tennessee I mean he does like to go between the tackles and let his guys go downfield so I think we could see some success more success on the ground than we've seen in the past but uh, I think J-Mac as you both have mentioned given Aaron Rodgers that ability to do what he does best and not try to handicap him or handcuff him maybe is a better word is certainly the way to go and um this is definitely a revenge spot too. I mean, Aaron Rodgers does get a little pissy and he certainly doesn't forget things. And I think this is a game he's had circled all off season, just as both teams have certainly, but this just seems like a spot where you're taking one team who has maybe had a disappointing year last year, uh, compared to with the Packers compared to a team that completely overachieved in what we saw out of, uh, the Chicago Bears. So I, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm interested in your guys' thought too on Mitchell Trubisky. I just haven't seen enough where I'm excited about him. I mean, he's not a guy where, you know, if you're saying fourth quarter lead me down the field, I, I really trust that compared to the other guys, you know, Patrick Mahomes that went in his draft as well and kind of taken Deshaun Watson, who are certainly the leaders of the team. I mean, you're really just asking him not to screw it up. What's your guys' thoughts on Trubisky? It's a good point because Mac is definitely the leader of that team, not not Trubisky. He, you know, I'm hearing you know reports that you know he can't roll roll to the left and throw on the run. It's like okay, so you just can't throw to the left side if you get you know okay. Well, you're gonna get pressured a lot from the right. I can tell you that. Um, I, I to me, he's a poor man's Dak, and I can't even believe that's a real thing. But that's essentially what he is to me. Now, granted, still extremely young, um, hasn't played in a lot of games, but. 
the athleticism has been impressive. I'll say that uh, his legs have really impressed me, but that's only, that can only last so long. If guys like, you know, Cam Newton and Russell Wilson can only run so much, you know, Mitch Trubisky is not quite that level of an athlete. I'm not sold on him. I think this is a big game for him to prove himself though, because it's a great season opener. And this is probably the best rivalry in the NFL, true rivalry. That's very true. I, I think that Trubisky is just one of those guys where you can't ask him to do too much. You, he'll do what you need him to do well. Yeah. yeah. And just don't try to get cute with it and let let everything flow like it's supposed to. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I don't really know if he's going to hit somewhat of a sophomore slump this year or not. And that's going to be the biggest question mark. Because he's either going to take a pretty good step forward or a pretty big step back. And either way will be interesting to see. That's for sure. So yeah, I mean that's really I agree. what I see. And them. you know, I'm I'm just excited to get this Packers offense back on the road here. You know, certainly kind of more of an underrated offense line. Uh, I love Corey Lindsay, uh, David Bakateri, however you pronounce it. I always butcher that guy. You know, he just looks like a big offensive lineman. You know, he's chugging beers at the Bucks games in the offseason. Right. Yeah, this is just a team, you know, Brian Bulaga, the tackle out of Iowa. Love that guy. Um, it's a team that I really feel will come together. It's almost like you get that weight lifted off your shoulders with Mike McCarthy gone, and uh, certainly with my pick in the offseason of them to win it, I just think this is a team that kind of feels like it's got to go right, you know, after all these years of being underwhelming. Now, I will note um, Aaron Rodgers has only won 24% of his games that he's been an underdog in, according to Vegas. So wow. I, I am interested in, in following that this season because I kind of stumbled upon that uh, doing some research in – I guess it's not shocking because he's just so elite. He's probably not losing to the teams he needs to. Yeah. But when they have made that step up, but I think that speaks more to Mike McCarthy and his ineptitude to be able to out scheme, you know, the top coaches in the league rather than Aaron Rodgers. Um, so certainly, certainly a game that we're excited to be doing the live stream on. So we got, I, I got a Packers prediction. Kyle, you got a Packers prediction. Uh, J Mac, where are you leaning in? Bears. In, Bears. Okay. Yeah, you gotta ride your, gotta ride your pick. Absolutely. They ain't winning twelve games this year, though. I think we can all agree on that. It, it's gonna be a fun, fun division. And from two teams battling that division to another in the Minnesota Vikings, gonna be hosting the Atlanta Falcons, and hopefully, possibly a new contract for Julio Jones heading into Sunday, according to Arthur Blank. Uh, two teams that kind of went in the opposite direction last year. I had high expectations. Uh, we spoke at nauseum about Dan Quinn and. Uh, kind of a make-it-or-break-it year for him and Mike Zimmer. Uh, Vikings get Dalvin Cook back in the fold. They added Josh Doxson from the Redskins being cut. Uh, Kyle, where are you looking to lean? Uh, Vikings four-and-a-half-point favorites at home this Sunday afternoon. I'm laying that. I, I like the Vikings here. Uh, I think, obviously, big great home crowd. I think that'll play into it. Kirk Cousins is also the kind of guy that starts off seasons well and just pisses himself down the stretch. So I think he'll have pretty big numbers. Getting Dalvin Cook back, you know, I'm reading a lot that they want to try to run more and really, uh, you know, use Dalvin between the uh, Dalvin Cook between the tackles and turn into more of a running team because they threw the ball a lot last year. Like, there's a lot of games you look at Kirk Cousins. Uh, game log, and you're like, all right, this dude threw 53 passes. Why is Kirk Cousins throwing 53 passes? There's no excuse yeah. for that. Um, so I, I like them establishing the run game. I like the Thielen, Diggs, Josh Doxson, Kyle Rudolph core that he has to throw it to. And, I mean, the defense is still top five, in my opinion. Uh, I know they, they lost a few guys, but that, that front four is particularly um, very athletic and versatile. 
And I love Harrison Smith. He's probably my favorite DB in the league. I think they win this game. You know, Julio, if he gets the new deal, great. And their offense is still electric, but I don't trust the Falcons' defense. And the Falcons are just a team I just I – can't, I can't really ever pick in a game to win unless it's just against, like, the Dolphins or something. If, when it's against an even team, I'm just like, ah, they'll, they'll find a way to lose this game. Yeah, that's very true. Talk about Matt Ryan here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly an interesting team. You know, as you mentioned, Mike Zimmer certainly wants to pound that run game. That That's certainly been his calling card in, in his time, and that's why they made the changes, bringing in Gary Kubiak, as we mentioned, in the offseason. And um, I, I'm just still a little concerned about that offensive line and how that's going to be able to get done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, deal. when you look at uh, pro football focus, the number one pass blocker last year, um, do either one of you want to take a guess who was this, their number one pass blocker? It was not an offensive lineman. I'm going to break it uh, Dalvin Cook uh, was their number <laughs> one. And, and if you work down the list, it takes to uh, number seven on the list, uh, Riley Reef, to reach uh, their top f- offensive lineman that just graded above average at 71.3. So um, kind of a team that you just worry about from that, that standpoint. Um, but why it doesn't matter is because Atlanta can't get after the quarterback. Uh, It's what we talked about uh, ad nauseum is they don't have that edge rusher. Uh, Adrian Claiborne left as well. Not like that he was going to solve any problems, but um, outside of Grady Jarrett along that defensive line, there's no one that really necessarily scares you. So uh, to me, it seems like a perfect recipe for the Vikings. They can't get a pass rush. We don't want the only thing that can really affect them is that, you know, getting attacked on the offensive line. So, to your point, the Vikings are back and healthy. That defense with Harrison Smith, Alexander went out all last year. Uh, it's a team that looks healthy on paper, and I would imagine is ready to get Revan. And I think a bl- four and a half seems real nice uh, for the Vikings heading into this weekend. Um, from two NFC teams to another pair, we have the Rams and Panthers squaring off. Uh, big news, Jared Goff getting his $100 million guaranteed. And then Cam Newton with his injury, uh, sounds like he's ready to go J-Mac, uh, where are you looking here? The Panthers are three-point dogs at home to the NFC champs. I uh, It feels like the the Rams wanted to make sure that Jared Goff didn't get out of the open market, which I get, and you got to pay your guy if you're going to pay your guy in that case. But, you know, we've already been through that today. I like this game a lot. I go back and forth on it. I'm leaning towards the Rams here. I really just don't know about what Carolina has got. It, I know on paper what they have, but I just need to see it all work together before I'm even close to believing in them pulling something like that off. And, I mean, we've talked about Cam Newton's shoulder and all that kind of stuff. I know Jason doesn't concern you nearly as much. It does concern me. And, I mean, he and also, he just finds some way to get into a car accident, like, every every year somehow. <laughs> he's been in, like, five car accidents. He's just walked away on unscathed. But uh, I like... I like the Rams in this game, though. I They opened up as underdogs, which is kind of... Or, no, sorry, favorites, but kind of um, surprised me as far as being only three points there. I think they opened... Did they open up at three or two and a half? I think it's a little larger, and then it kind of... Well, it, it ticked around with Cam's injury in the preseason. It's really ba- ping-ponged all over the place. Okay. So it's kind of settled down a little bit now at two and a half. I was three. surprised it was so close, though. So I'll give you some background on that line because that line, if it was a three o'clock game in LA would probably be about seven and a half. So historically West coast teams, when they have to travel through all time zones and go to the East coast and play a noon game. So they're essentially playing at nine o'clock their time. Guys aren't used to playing ball at that time. No. And there's a lot of uh, sharp money probably going on the Panthers. Cause there's a lot of 
evidence to back up exactly what I just said. So that's why that number is where it is. That's fair. That being said, dude, I, I love Cam. Uh, Jay, you know the kind of players that I like from, oh, yeah. from doing on the break. Like Cam fits fits the uh, fits the mold. Fits the mold pretty well. I like I like cocky players, but I like guys that have passion for the game. Yeah, I think he really loves. I think he's just a kid that loves to play ball. He's not right, and I know Jason and dude. You, I respect your football opinion a lot. I know you're really high on Carolina this year. I'm very low on them, and I'm really worried about, you know, how this team's going to fare. I think they're only going to win maybe six or seven games. Uh, I, I like the Rams here, and I'm going to go big. I like the Rams double digits on the road. Okay, well, so I'll, I'll quickly explain why I'm, I'm completely disagreeing with you guys on this one. Um, if you watch any of the Rams preseasons, did you guys see Jared Goff at all? See Todd Gurley? None of their regular starters played any meaningful minutes. And uh, people can say that doesn't matter and get out there, but until you're taking live bullets, it does take you time to adjust. So if you're looking at this game, I certainly think the Carolina Panthers in the first half is certainly a way to look. I, I don't disagree with you that the Rams can certainly pull this off. They're the better team. But, um, you know, Carolina's going to be revving to go. They know it's a must win to jumpstart the season. And, I just think the first half's a perfect way to look for a team that's probably going to be working out the kinks a little bit uh, and will probably find their groove. But I wouldn't be shocked at, you know, a 13-6 to halftime type of deal just from the standpoint of the Rams are – it takes you a couple series to get moving. Uh, 13-6 Panthers? Yeah, at halftime, that wouldn't shock me at all just to see see them working out that dust. And, you you know, the the, the Rams do have uh, some guys, you know, Cooper Cup coming off injury. Todd Gurley's still a mystery on his injury. Uh, you know, Andrew Whitworth, their left tackle, how old is he? I mean, he feels <laughs> like he's in Adam Vinatieri range of of elderly. So it's just – it's not a knock on the Rams. It's just because, to your point, traveling across the time zones and the lack of playing time to this point, I think we could see Carolina get off to a hot start, and that's what okay. that's the way I'm looking to back it. I will say I love – I think Carolina might have the best front seven in the league. Gerald McCoy, Terry Poe. A K1 short, Mario Addison, eh. But Shaq Thompson, Luke Keekley, Bruce Irvin, those are solid linebackers. That is a great front seven. Really good. Their secondary well, does concern me. Eric Reed's a great player, but he can't guard any of those receivers one-on-one. He's a safety. I do think that they're going to struggle with – because Cooper Cup apparently is faster now that he blew his ACL out, which I don't know how that works. But uh, obviously we've all heard really good things about him. I love him in the slot. I think that could be an issue. Maybe it doesn't take – you know, take over until the second half. Uh, I just, I just think there's too much firepower here. And last thing I want to say is, dude, Jerry Goff got four for I think 130 was the the total number, not the right. guarantee. Yeah, he got a hundred mil guaranteed. He took the guaranteed over the money. Don't pay Dak more than Jerry Goff unless he gets to a Super Bowl. How about that? Uh, I would, I would tend to agree. Well, I, <laughs> I, I guess I'm, well, I'll disagree with you guys. I'm going Panthers. You guys both got Rams. Correct. Well. From the NFC champion uh, to who should have been the AFC champion if a coin flip went their way, we have the Kansas City Chiefs traveling on the road down to steamy Jacksonville. And the Jags have a a new guy at the helm in big dick Nick Foles taking over. He's got Leonard Fournette back and healthy with a D.D. Westbrook who's been getting a lot of fantasy hype. Uh, Kyle, I see you grinning over there. Are are you a Jacksonville believer this year or are you thinking this is a little overblown? No, it's going to be a little chub, Nick, this week, dude. I don't give them a chance in this game. I think it's the line about four right now. Yeah, we're, we're, we bounced around at four and a half. It's down to three and a half at most books. So we're we're seeing a little bit of money trickle in here on the, the Jaguars. And 
think to your point, kind of a same deal with uh, if it was flipped in an arrowhead, we'd probably be seeing a lot different of a line. Right. Now, I, I still love Jags D. I still think it's the best defense in the league. Uh, most likely. Depth-wise, I think it is. No one's going to be able to stop Mahomes. I just – I really believe that. I think Andy Reid is going to be toying with them. Maybe it gets off to a slow start. we got to see how the Damian Williams, maybe LaShawn McCoy situation works itself out. Uh, just with, with Hill, with Watkins, with Kelsey, I, I don't see this game being close. I like Kansas City double digits here. Um, now, <laughs> I'm picking all, I'm picking them double digits. I'm picking Ram double digits. History would tell you both those teams probably aren't going to win by double digits. I just feel that confident. Um, I don't I don't know if there's a game I'm more sure about the winner this week, except for maybe San Diego. Okay. No, that's fair. I mean, I think this. I mean, we talked about the sophomore slump thing a minute ago, and it's going to be the same thing for Mahomes. This is going to be well, really third year. Oh, is it really? I was thinking it was a second year. Well, regardless. It, second well, year is a second year starter. is a full time starter though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because okay, because he did he replace Alex Smith like towards the end of the season. Is that what it was? Uh, he played we, one game. Yeah, he had that week seventeen okay. start. You know when they clint. Yeah. Okay, that counts. I didn't even really remember that week seventeen start. Anyway, nonetheless, second year really like full year leading this team. I, I love Mahomes, man. I think he's awesome. Like I I love his style of play. It's very unique. He's a pocket passer, but he can run when he needs to. It's really unique, and I think that helps. He's got the right weapons around him, too, and that helps as well. So a lot of great stuff leading towards Kansas City. I love Big Dick Nick, though, and I think that he is great at understanding what is expected of him and not a whole lot more than that. And so as long as, I mean, he's had a whole lot of time to learn this offense and really customize some things around him, he probably needs still another year with that, but he's a vet. He's, he's a Super Bowl winner. Philly pissed all over him for some reason. I, I'm not saying he's the end-all, be-all by any means, but I think he's going to be a lot more effective than Blake Bortles, and I think that's Agreed. why you're seeing more love towards Jacksonville. Not a lot, because it's only 26% of public money is leaning towards that, but I see where the respect lays here. Well, there's no doubt Nick Foles is an upgrade from Blake Bortles. I mean, it's just painful watching that man trying to throw accurate passes. I don't. I, see hate, I hate the receiving core, though. Yeah, no, I get yeah, I like no, Westbrook, but that's it. I don't see this being a double-digit win. I see it being a little bit closer than that. I think the line reflects it pretty accurately. Okay. I yeah. still do see Kansas City winning it, though. Tough road game. Tough sure. road game, too. To open the season, yeah. for sure. I think it's a tough road game. Absolutely head down to a, a steamy, warm condition. Right. Humid. It's tough for a first game to be fully entrenched in that. Uh, but certainly when you have a Jacksonville defense, Kyle, as you mentioned, one of the tops in the NFL, kind of coming off a disappointing season. But when you have A.J. Boye and uh, Jalen Ramsey, you can put on Tyreek Hill and uh, Sammy Watkins or however you want to move Ramsey to Kelsey. It, it's certainly a team that I would put more my trust in that they can shut that down. And I, I think to your point, the offense is going to move a lot better with Nick Foles. And I like the offensive coordinator hiring John D. Filippo. Uh, you know, a team we previously talked about, he coached for the Vikings last year. It seemed like Zimmer just had too much of an influence on him uh, to allow him to do his job. It's a guy two years ago we're talking about being the next great NFL head coach and offensive mind. So I'm excited to see him uh, reunite with Nick Foles. There's familiarity there, obviously, from their time in Philadelphia. And I just think this is a perfect recipe for a week one upset, or at least to cover. I mean, we're talking about a field goal still gets you to the window here. So I think if you can get that four – uh, I, I'm sitting on that pretty well because it, it may be a little bit more low scoring than we want to expect just being week one and the type of defense that they have to face. So you both are going KC, though? 
Yes. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, I'll go the Jags to be a little contrarian with you guys. I do uh, think it's closer than than people think, though. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, well, from the AFC runner-up to the NFC runner-up, we have the New Orleans Saints at home uh, battling the Houston Texans. And certainly all the headlines being made, this has been a team that we've discussed a lot off-air, uh, the Houston Texans, bringing in Laramie Tunsil. Didn't really solve the running back position, but sharing up that left tackle certainly was part of it. Um, J-Mac, are you kind of a believer in Drew Brees entering in the latter part of his career and what the Saints are doing? Or are you worried that you know, the Texans being younger, fresher type of they're the next flavor over the Saints? So I think you're right. The The Texans have made really interesting moves this week. I think shipping Jadavian Clowney out was I – th- I honestly think they were going to revoke the franchise tag is really what it felt like. At the end of the day, they should have traded him before July 15th. That's really what this comes down to. And if, had they had an actual GM whose sole job is to do this instead of letting Bill O'Brien run everything, which that's a whole – we've talked about that before. I do Isn't not that understand. ironic, the article you sent me of <laughs> Texans partnering with Rice to yeah. introduce a course that they'll be teaching people how to run NFL franchises and they didn't realize, hey, we should probably not give Jadavian Clowney all the leverage here and dump this all-star for a third round. Correct. And it's insane, but, I mean, they made the right move by getting him out of there, and somehow they managed to fleece the Dolphins at the same time. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the Dolphins saw the writing on the wall. They know what they are. Brian Flores is getting in there saying, you know what? Blow it up. Blow the whole damn thing up. And Laramie Tunsil was a huge – I mean, the the best part about that whole thing, just as a sidebar before we get back to the game, is the fact that (laughs) – that the Dolphins players were sitting there saying, well, we're not going to stand for him being traded. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? Not how that works. Old <laughs> yeah. gas mask, old gas mask tonsil? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I get that he's a locker room guy and all that. And I get that. But, like, what are you going to do? Not get paid? Is that, is that, is that what we're going to do? That's all right. Yeah. I'm sure they'd be happy you, to do see it. See you, bud. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get I get the writing on the wall. So, I think Houston made the best out of a bad situation overall and, and a, a really stupid situation because had they had to trade Clowney and then didn't get this Tunsil deal done, that would have been a really bad look and that would have been – this would have been, been rough going into the season. I think to Jason's point, they didn't solve the running back problem. I like Duke Johnson Jr. a lot. I think he was a as great a acquisition. Back, but not as a – I just don't – yeah, I, I just don't think he has – right. I don't think he has that kind of – uh, longevity in him for that that amount of workload and i they haven't really done anything to address that and what i fear is going to happen is they're going to come halfway they're going to get to like week seven or eight and Duke johnson's going to struggle and then they're going to be going to find some random person they're going to trade their last their, their picks from like 2022 because that's probably the first time they had picks again no and go get melvin gordon no shit so all crazy. that to be said I don't believe in this Houston team even a little bit. I think it's a circus. I don't like Bill O'Brien specifically. And I I definitely trust Drew Brees to make to understand it's a combination of Drew Brees and Sean Payton both. They understand how to work with each other. They're the closest thing that there is to Brady and Belichick, I think, as far as relationship goes. They understand each other and they know how to make this thing happen. I seven points is a no brainer. I think they win by two touchdowns. Wow. I love Houston to cover this. I'm really? going Houston. I'm going Houston to win outright. Okay. So as a closet Saints fan, they're kind of my secondary um, secondary team. I don't have as much faith in them this year. I still think they probably win that division, and that's more to how I feel about the other teams in the division. But you know, Drew Brees is going to fall off at some point. I don't know if it'll be this year, but 
you know, I just – I really like the Laramie Tunsil because that really shores up things for Houston on the offensive line. Well, at least a little bit more so because Deshaun Watson has just been abused these first few years. And you don't want to have another Andrew Luck situation where the guy's mm-hmm. walking out the door at 29, just can't walk. Right. Uh, I love DeAndre Hopkins. I've told you guys I think he's the best receiver in the NFL. I think he's super reliable. I actually think that they're going to find a way to win this game, and it's a lot going to be just DeAndre Hopkins – Sean Watson outperforming Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Well, I like it, Watson more than Brees at this point in his career, and I like Hopkins more than Thomas. And you're discounting and think, Kamara's contribution there? Uh, I love Kamara. I'm very, very high on, on Alvin Kamara, but uh, I, and I think he'll have a big game too. Houston's okay. defense is still going to be fine without Jadavion. Uh, me and Jason see drastically different. I think he has Houston probably in the 14 to 18 range as far as defenses, um, where I have him in more of like that six to ten range i think they're still a really good defense they are not deep though that is the issue they're an injury away um i just trust Deshaun. i've told you guys before how much i like his leadership and his his clutch factor and he's just that guy that they can be down 10 with four minutes left and they're still in it when they get the ball back yeah it it, i'm not a houston believer the tunsil deal certainly helps out me easing my concerns with them i think duke has been completely underrated and now he's in an offense they'll certainly be able to support uh, what he's good at, uh, getting out in the That's space. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think kind of the same thing as I mentioned with the Rams, I do have the same concern about the Saints. Uh, you know, they don't really play a lot of starters in the preseason. Uh, they they don't need to necessarily, but just as we saw them last year, they lost to Tampa Bay in Ryan Fitzmagic That's- week one. They get off the slow starts historically. So yeah. it's kind of when I'm looking at a line that's seven points, I don't think the line's wrong if it was, you know, mid-season. That's probably where you'd want it because essentially for folks listening at home, the average point spread gain for being at home is three points. Yep. So, you know, you, you take this the other way if it's at Houston and be around a pick of a game. Now, you adjust that for places like Arrowhead and Kansas City, you know, more of a home field advantage. And I think that's kind of the same deal with New Orleans, certainly probably a half point to a point difference with this home field advantage but it's just the one i'm almost staying away from i guess if i would put the seven just with the texans just from the standpoint of value but i'm interested to see how houston looks without clowny in that defense um but i think it was a whirlwind of emotions this team going oh you trade away one of our best players now you brought in a reinforcement so it's a lot of emotion uh but i'm with jmac i'm not a bill o'brien believer but i'm gonna say Somehow the Saints squeaking out, but gosh, I'm not comfortable saying that uh, either way. Yeah, that's fair. Well, from the the a great matchup on the field to probably the most marquee, we have two of the more historic quarterbacks in the past decade. Ben Roethlisberger going on the road to New England where he has never won, I don't believe, before. Nope. Uh, certainly going to have to lead the way. No Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown to lean on. Uh, we're going to see a new-look Steelers offense and sort of defense. J-Mac will let you start being our resident Patriots insider. Any concerns here with Big Ben coming to town? Not really, man, because, I mean, to your point, the track record alone. I, I, it's a tough, tough game for the Steelers, I think. It, it almost looks a little bit closer. It looks like public money is pretty even split on this. What's that, six? It's uh, it's at six now, or it opened at six. It's five and a half at most books right now. I take six. Uh, yeah, I would too. And I, I, I have no problem thinking New England will crush them because I, I don't think it's as much. So it's it's multifaceted here. Number one, it's another year older of Ben Roethlisberger. You've got a lot of new guys that you're not used to working with quite yet. 
we don't really know what kind of leader Ben Roethlisberger is specifically because he does throw guys under the bus right out of the gate. But then Antonio Brown goes to the Raiders and all of a sudden Ben looks a lot less crazy. So like a lot of things like that seem to happen. Le'Veon Bell, same exact sort of thing. So it's really always hard to tell what is really going on there. And Mike Tomlin, I think, caught a lot of shit for those two guys for no reason whatsoever. Correct. I don't think he deserved that. Not at all. So I'm glad to see him be vindicated. We've talked about that already on this show. However, I just think that you're looking at a, a new, an older Ben with new guys around him. On top of that, you're looking at a new-look Patriots defense that is going to be young and fast. And Yeah, that, that's what's fun about this game is both these defenses are actually really good, which has right. always been in this, uh, I don't want to say rivalry, but in these matchups over the last you know 15 years, it's been pretty much all offense. You had yeah. early Steelers teams, but... You know, these last 10 years, especially, these have been offensive powerhouses, and both these defenses are going to be greatly improved. Agreed. Yeah, I'd agree, and that kind of brings me to what I'm looking at for this game is certainly the under. Um, when you're looking at a standalone primetime, as we're seeing with the the Patriots and Steelers, it's sort of what they call a bailout game. Last time you could get some money down on the books, usually the, the over gets steamed just because that's where the general fan's going. But I think to your point, you know, the Patriots are going to have some uh, changing parts on the offensive line based on injuries and new guys getting brought in, uh, which may cause a little bit more confusion or not not allow them to do exactly what they're looking to do in offense week one. And to J-Max's point, I think the Patriots defense is extremely underrated as well. Um, and as Big Ben moves into this uh, new offense without his two big horses, uh, certainly familiarity with Juju and uh, James Washington's kind of a second-year guy. People are pegging to bre break out. Um, but I'm just not sure with Bill Belichick, he's going to take away Juju. You know that. He's going to take away your best option. So from there, does Dante Moncrief step up? Does Vance McDonald or James Washington? It's going to take someone. But uh, certainly a game I'll probably be looking at that first half under, just expecting both teams to keep it close to the chest until they need to because that's the Patriot way. We're not going to show anything until we have to. So – I wouldn't be shocked at a low-scoring halftime game. Um, well, well, you guys, I know we've broken down a lot of games. I want to get maybe your favorite uh, bet this weekend. Kyle, where are you looking, whether it's college or pro? What's your, you know, hey, this is – you can't miss this one. This is where I'm I'm laying it without any concern. Man, am I crazy for th just being in love with that a and I'm seeing I'm, it. Dude, that's plus, mine too. Plus 17 and a half offshore. I mean – I, I think that's my my call. I'll give you one of each. You know, I'll yeah. uh, I'll spoil the spoil the listeners here. I like I like the A and M getting seventeen and a half, uh, even though traveling to Death Valley can be uh, can be pretty dicey. I really, man, maybe I'm caught up in this Browns hype, but I'm seeing Browns minus five at home against Tennessee, and I just think Marcus Mariota is a total bust at this point, and I don't believe in. The coaching staff there, I don't really believe that the defense is as elite as it once was maybe two or three years ago. Uh, so I really like Cleveland to, you know, come out, assuming Odell is is ready to go. I like them to come out of the gates hot. I, I still don't know if, how many games they're going to win this year, but I like them coming out hot. I like Brable a little bit more, but I think that's a given. So, yeah, well, <laughs> but I think he's doing good things cold, with some of that. Yeah, I, I think Mariota is definitely concerned. This is going to be the year to see what that looks like. Well, I'm, I'm looking at uh, – I'll give you guys two as well with Kyle. I'm looking more on the Kansas State versus Bowling Green matchup early 11 a.m. kickoff college football. Uh, Bowling Green's going to be one of the worst mid-majors that you're going to see this year. Kansas State, new head coach, new regime coming in there. 
absolutely love this team's fired up. You do some reading. I think this is just a steam fest. Uh, 23 and a half right now, kind of moving the 24, 24 and a half range. So jump on that. I think you're going to see close to four touchdowns by kickoff Sunday morning. Um, and NFL kind of already teased it for you guys. Uh, Carolina Panthers first half. I just think, uh, again, the Boy. teams that first half, play, I like the play first, half, first, like. first half, get that plus plus half. That way, if it's 10, 10, you still go to the window cashing and uh, J Mac will let you get us out of here. Sign us off and we'll see you guys uh, when we're cashing. We want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. That's Sensibly Loud on Facebook. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Sensibly Loud as well. Make sure to give us a call. We want to hear from you guys. That number is 972-885-9361. Leave us a voicemail. We'll take questions. We'll answer them on the show. And make sure, last but not least, join us for the live stream tomorrow night. That is at 7.30 kickoff for the Bears and Packers. Kyle Beats and I will be leading. Jason will be jumping in got a few other surprise guests and we will see you guys then